was taken off, the lamb would rarely leave the shepherd's side because they had a bonding moment. The lamb and the shepherd bonded, and God declared he's going to do whatever it takes to draw his children to be close to him. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get you closer to him. And some of us may say, well, yeah, life is rough. Yeah, it is. But are you close to the Lord? Are you growing closer to God? Are you growing closer to whatever it is you call God. God wants you to be close to Him. He knows that the best life there is can be found standing next to Him and leaning fully on Him. Sometimes He needs to take extreme steps to remind you of that. A lot of times it seems easier to wander away from God toward whatever you think will be better. Something you might even be replacing God with. Whatever it is, it'll only provide temporary pleasure. Pastor Mark will encourage you in today's message to set aside the things or people you're running after and step closer to God. Let him do the necessary work to create a better you, the person he knows you can and need to be. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12 with today's edition of Come Alive. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Oh, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. And now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. In daylight. It's going to be done publicly. And so David's going to experience grief. He is going to be hurt. His heart will be broken. Grief in his own household. The sword shall never depart from your house. Turmoil and tragedy, rape and revenge. If you read ahead, you'll see all of that in David's house. And so he will have an uncontrollable son, a son who betrays him, who will actually drive him out of his own house and away from his throne. And maybe you're living in a situation of turmoil. Maybe it was one of those things you brought on yourself. And now you are in that correcting storm and is... Your sin has been found out, and you don't like it. And so it's easy to remedy. It's called confess. Just confess to the Lord. Just repent. Turn from that thing. Oh, what next then? What's going to happen? Well, look at verse 12. Here's what happens. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. Though you did this, is what he's saying, is, and it's going to be found out. But here's what happens. We can ask for forgiveness and you can be forgiven. 
But a lot of people mix up forgiveness and think that, oh, okay, I'm forgiven and nothing's going to happen, but the consequences are still there. See, Bathsheba's still pregnant. And we know what happens because we read it. They're going to lose the baby. And so look at verse 12. So talk about the consequences of sin. He probably just sat there again with his mouth open and shocked. We're going to look at it again for you did it secretly. He lets him know, I know your secrets. I know your thoughts. He knows the deepest parts of you and I. He created us. He made us. Sometimes we as parents, we may not know the thoughts of our children, but we know kind of what they're thinking in a sense because you can just look at them and be like, you know what, that kid, that one right there, oh, the second one too, they're up to no good today. That couldn't be good. I don't know what they're up to, but we know. And it's always fun to just go and peek and see what they're doing. And you're just like, yeah, I knew it. It was too quiet out there in the backyard. I don't know how they got those dogs strung up over a fence, but they got them strung up. So as David hears the voice of God through Nathan, he says one thing that's very true and appropriate. David says this. So David said to Nathan, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Good job, Dave. Good job. I have sinned against the Lord. When you look at that, you're like, well, what about Uriah? What about the guys that died in battle with him? Didn't you sin against those guys? See, if God calls you to be a messenger, we should skillfully and humbly take that message. And he may call you to be a confronter. Well, then confront, seeking first his wisdom and his knowledge. Believe it or not, people still really do hunger for the message of God. I find it amazing how many people you can go up to they may not have set foot in church for years or ever. And you take the message of God to them and you explain it to them. And they're just like, wow, I never knew that. That was amazing. I never heard it like that. And it's because God working through an individual can do that. I remember the first time I heard it. I didn't want to hear the message of God. I remember the guy goes, hey, maybe God's trying to tell you something. I'm like, well, that'd be cool if he existed. That'd be awesome if there really was a God. So this guy told me a story. He began to tell me a story about a marriage. And I remember thinking, wow, I wonder, I wonder who ratted me out. And I started looking around to see if people that knew me had told this guy to come and talk to me. But he didn't. And then the second time he came, he came telling a different story. He came telling a story about a guy, and he would never mention the guy's name. And I kept on thinking, man, he's talking about me. And then he invites me to church, and I sit in church, and there's a guy up there behind the pulpit, behind the podium starts teaching. And I'm like, does everybody know what's going on in my life except for me? Really? I mean, because coming to these logical conclusions, I'm like, he's talking about me. So I walk away from church. I get in my car the following Monday to go to work, and I turn on the radio or I'm sorry, not a Monday, a Tuesday, because I skipped work that day because I didn't want everybody else finding out about me. But so I get in my car on a Tuesday, and I turn on the radio, and somehow, somehow, there's a Christian station on. And that guy on the radio is talking about me, describing my situation, my problem. So I'm like, all right, dude, if you're really real. I've gone to church. I've listened to a couple of these freaks tell me stuff that I can't believe. But if you're really real... Oh, this is what will happen. And that thing did happen. And that day I got saved. It was actually 16 years ago, a couple of days ago, on the 19th. So, you know, it's just one of those great things that the Lord says, you know what, I really love you. I don't care if you don't believe in me. I'm going to show you that I exist. I don't care if you want to walk away from me. I'm going to show you that I love you. 
I don't care what your thoughts are. I care about you more than what you think and what you're trying to hide, what you're trying to suppress, what you're trying to hold down. And so sometimes we have to be those messengers. And I praise the Lord and thank God for my friend John who came, didn't know me, and told me a story. My friend Mike, who later on came and sat and had Bible studies with me, and told me a story. And every time I hear a story, I sit there and I'm like, you know what, I can fit right into that story. I hear some of your stories and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember those days. I remember. Let me tell you a story. And here's how I got out. Here's how the Lord lit my path. And you know, when you light up a path at night, how far you can see, not real far. It doesn't show you the end. It only lights up a little bit at a time. And that's what we're called to do is walk a little bit at a time. Well, what David did is he didn't let God's word light it up for him. He looked down and saw Bathsheba and she lit him up. They were like, wow, look at her taking a bath on her roof. Here I am. And David probably knew where to see her, and she probably knew where to see him. And so, believe it or not, people still hunger for the message of God. Like David, they start to try to avoid it. When we get into sin, we try to run and hide from it, because sometimes it hurts. The scrubbing, that cleansing, that pumice. Like if you've ever washed your hands with that real rough soap, what is it called, lava? Try to shower with that stuff. Rub it under your arm and on your chest, man. That'll rip hair out if you got hair on your chest. Ladies, I hope you don't. But, you know, it'll scratch you up. It'll scratch you up. It'll tear you apart. I tried to wash my face with it the other day, and I looked at one side. It was red. I gave it to Ace, and I thought it'd be fun because he has no hair on his body yet. I said, here, wash with this. And he was just sitting there, and you could hear him going, ow, Dad, this hurts. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome, dude. It'll make you tough. Keep washing. He was filthy. But it cleans him, right? It cleans. It does what it's supposed to do. God does what he's supposed to do. He says, I've provided my son and his blood to cleanse you. And so sometimes we try to avoid his word. But once people hear God's voice and they recognize it, you know, the Bible says, my sheep will know my voice. They'll hear me. Sometimes that's what happens. They recognize his voice. And they'll remember the safety and the love that he has for them. Just like Nathan coming with God's voice, being his spokesperson. David recognized that voice and said, oh, yes, I have sinned against the Lord. I've done this thing against you, Lord. He just has an encounter. And when you have an encounter with someone who's willfully stepped on that that wrong path, you as the confronter maybe, face it with them. Go with them. Be there with them. Say, hey, man, I want to pray with you. I don't want you to go through this thing alone. Too often, we're just like, oh, bro, I feel bad for you. Man, God bless you. Let me pray. I'll pray for you. And we don't pray for them then. And we don't call and say, hey, how's that journey going? Is there anything else I can pray for you about? And so God has a message for them. Call it what it is. At the right time, the right way. Don't hedge. Don't redefine it. Don't explain it away. Call it sin. Hey, man, if you're sinning, let me just tell you this. You know, sometimes we want to redefine it. And in doing so, when you call it what it is, just remember, you too have sinned. You're a sinner, saved by grace. Stay humble and full of compassion. But be sure you speak the truth in love. Be sure that when you talk to them, you're speaking the truth in love. Because, you know, it's kind of funny that we want grace and we want mercy, but when somebody else does it, we're like, man, that guy needs his head cut off. 
He needs to be given the death penalty because that's what I think. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I've done that. It's tough, but be sure you speak the truth in love. Nathan did, and David realized Nathan was absolutely right, that it was God speaking through him. And without hesitation, David admits he had sinned, and in doing so, sinned against the Lord. Look at verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Psalm 51 deals with this exact moment. Psalm 51 deals in verses 1 through 3. If you're taking notes, you could write that down. We can see how David thought about this sin constantly. And if you want to turn there, you can turn there with me. It's Psalm 51. And a lot of you will recognize this psalm. It says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And so, again, he thought about it constantly. Maybe there's a sin in your life you're constantly thinking about and going, man, just one day, just one, I'll do it one day, tomorrow, later on today. Or if that's happening, just stop. Stop. Look at verse 4. It says, Against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He says, God's the only one he sinned against. And again, what about Bathsheba? What about Uriah? What about all the guys who died in battle? Well, as bad as it was for all those involved, David's under the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, acknowledging what had happened. And so whatever happens to anyone else, as sad and horrible and tragic as it may be, it's nothing compared to what they deserve. Nothing compared to what you and I deserve. Some of you are like, what? What are you saying? Yeah. Think about what you and I deserve. We deserve death. We are sinners. But God graciously has granted us and has redeemed us, given us grace and mercy. So this is nothing less than what they deserve. Romans 3 tells us there's none righteous. No, not one. And this is a shock to our culture, but it's very, very true. As horrible as it is that these people died the way they died, it's horrible. But the only one David really sinned against is he sinned against God. And so God doesn't deserve to be treated that way. Think about the price he paid for you and for us to continue to sin. People are not sinners because they sin. People sin because they're sinners. Look at verses 6 through 8 in this psalm. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. And so David, being a former shepherd, when he talks about these broken bones, well, he knew how to make a sheep that was prone to wander in those dangerous places, prone to eat, poisonous plants, prone to just walk into a pack of wolves, David knew how to make that sheep loyal. And it was a practice in the Middle East that if a lamb wandered away constantly, continuously, they would grab that little lamb, the shepherd, and they would break its leg. And then they would set the bone, and they would splint it and wrap it, and they'd pick up that lamb and carry that lamb on their shoulders until that lamb healed. And what this had done is when the splint was taken off, the lamb would rarely leave the shepherd's side because they had a bonding moment. The lamb and the shepherd bonded. 
And God declares he's going to do whatever it takes to draw his children to be close to him. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get you closer to him. And some of us may say, well, you know, life is rough. Yeah, it is. But are you close to the Lord? Are you growing closer to God? Are you growing closer to whatever it is you call God, that thing you idol? What is the thing you're most passionate about? Is the thing you're going to think most about? What is that thing you think most about? Some of us may be even thinking about other stuff right now. Oh, lunch would be good. I wonder how long this message is going to be. Quit wondering. It's going to go on all day. I'm kidding. See, God wants you to understand how much his heart is for you. God wants you to know that he loves you with an amazing amount of love that he would allow his son. I mean, how many of you would give up your own kid to die for someone else just so they would love you? And when you really start to think about that, that's a crazy amount of love. Look at the rest of verse 13. Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Well, what an amazing promise of grace. You're not going to die. Because back in those days, if you were caught in adultery, it was death. I remember when Jesus was tested by the, the Pharisees and they brought the woman caught in adultery? They were about to stone her and he looks down, he writes something, he looks up and he says, is any, any of you without sin cast the first stone? And they probably looked. I don't know what he wrote, but he probably wrote some of their sins. Shlomo did this. And Irving did this. And they're probably like, oh, whoa. Well, that's my sin. So we can't throw it. And he looks up. He says, where'd they go? The girl's like, I don't know. He's like, go and sin no more. Is there anyone here to condemn you? No, there's nobody here to condemn me. Then go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Well, what grace, what love. Because if anyone could do it, it would be Jesus. He could have picked up that stone and stoned her and killed her because of her sin. And so at this point, verse 14 is what we're going to see. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child who is born to you shall surely die. See, here's the big deal. Here's the big picture right here. You and I, what we do gives God's enemies a chance to say, oh, really? Yeah, what, what a loving and gracious God that is. I was on a website the other day. I can't remember how I got there. I was, it was some kind of form, and I clicked this thing. And this girl had wrote, am I more compassionate than God if I feed the hungry children? Because he's not doing it. And I remember thinking, wow, that's deep. You know I mean? When you really kind of, if you're not a believer and you think about that, but it's like, no, no, you're not more compassionate than God. Never will you ever be more compassionate to God. So I sent back, oh, well, I don't know. You have kids? Yes. Go ahead and let them die for some of those hungry kids. What are you, a freak? It wasn't that nice, but it was just crazy. I was like, so you're not compassionate at all. The greatest act of compassion was letting his son die for our sins so we can be forgiven. So at this point, Nathan's mission's complete. Verse 15, then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. Notice that it's still Uriah's wife. It's not David's wife, it's Uriah's wife. See, God's not mocked. Again, whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Now, some people will ask, you know, why did this child have to die? How horrible that this baby had to die. Really? Really, it would be horrible that that baby died? Think about where the baby gets to go. And God just reclaimed the child. 
let's talk about this was not. It was not judgment on the baby because the baby was conceived out of wedlock. It was judgment on David. It was judgment on David. Some people may think that they've calculated the cost of sin, and just because you add all the columns up and you get this total, the cost of sin is never what you think it's going to be. It never really adds up to what you think it is. And so their baby, David and Bathsheba's baby, dies. The baby doesn't have to grow up in a horrible household. The Bible tells us the moment we die, we're with God. We're in heaven. So the better place was not in a world filled with sin. The better place was there in heaven with God. Sitting in his throne room. Uh, The baby would never cry. The baby would never suffer pain. The baby would never suffer disease. The baby died. The one who suffered the loss was David and Bathsheba. This was judgment on David for his sin. David and Bathsheba, again, deserved stoning, but God took that child out of what we'll see later as a miserable circumstance. I had a friend who just lost their daughter to cancer. They'd been praying for months and months and months. They just lost their little girl last week. Months, years, actually. She had leukemia. And the prayer was answered. They prayed for healing, and God healed her by bringing her home. And, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, Lord, just heal. It's like, okay, I'll heal them. I'll give them the ultimate healing. And though it breaks our hearts and it hurts us, you know, she'll never see another session of chemo. She'll never have to suffer pain. She'll never have to throw up completely healed. So when we repent, God promises us restitution and forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. He can heal us spiritually. There's a death that has occurred. The old man has to die. The, the old person, the atheist, the non-believer, the one who, oh, I believe in God, but I'm just not going to do what he tells me. That guy has to die. And so the new person can arise. He doesn't promise relief from any and all consequences, but he promises a relief that only the Spirit of God can give, that you'll be able to handle what comes your way through those consequences. And so Nathan leaves, departs to his own house. God allows us to be left alone sometimes so we can think, so we can focus, so we can see. So what's the lesson? Well, never not to confront when the Lord says for us to do. That's the lesson. If the Lord says, hey, go confront someone in their sin... Be sure you temper that with God's wisdom and his knowledge. Because God hates sin so much, he wants us, as well as others, to know that sin requires a huge price. It was paid for us. Sin causes pain. Sin causes separation from God. Sin causes death. And so he knows, because Jesus paid for our sin, you can have forgiveness. All it requires from you is a confession and repentance. A willing desire. The same way we willingly walked into the sin, we can willingly walk to Jesus Christ and have forgiveness. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 2 Samuel. We wish we had more time to spend with you, but sadly, we need to wrap up our broadcast today. Right now, though, you can hear more from Come Alive by visiting our website, At Come Alive Radio, you'll be able to listen to past teachings, connect with us on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, too, so consider yourself invited to our Sunday services at Calvary Chapel Katy. You can find out more at comealiveradio.com or give us a call at 281-391-5503. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. Before we end our time with you, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God not what other people around us are saying. 
With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in to Come Alive.